0: You are listening to a podcast of local news from the County of Suffolk in the United Kingdom. This is brought to you by the St. Edmundsbury News Talk Association, a UK registered charity.
1: Hello and welcome to the 1968th edition of St Edmundsby News Talk for the 29th of February 2024. The editor of this edition is Liz Roberts, the producer is Ruth Hill, and your readers are Nick Gain and Jill Gain. We should also mention our processing team who work hard behind the scenes to copy and dispatch this memory stick to you. We commence with the headlines. Records office to close, but talks continue over archives. Bury St Edmunds and Ukrainian community gather to mark two years since the start of Russian invasion. Roads pumps fighting against height of river. Lord Markham to plant first tree at new West Suffolk hospital site.
0: The records office in Bury St Edmunds will close despite campaigners' efforts. The decision to shut the archives branch in the town and move it alongside Lowestoft's office to the hold in Ipswich was made during last week's Suffolk County Council budget discussions. This is despite a campaign led by the Berry Free Press, Berry Society, and Berry's Nebbins Town Trust to keep the offices from shutting down, which garnered more than two and a half thousand signatures from residents. Although the decision means all statutory documents such as marriage certificates will be moved to Ipswich, during the meeting, Cabinet Member for Equality and Communities Councillor Philip Faircliffe-Mutton said a working party would be set up to better analyse the future of non-statutory archives. John Popham, trustee of the Berry's Town Trust, welcomed the setting up of the working party but said councillors had missed the mark. He said... There shouldn't be a compromise because all of the documents, important statutory or otherwise, and therefore all the documents, should stay locally. We really respect the needs that the county has and we're pleased the council has been able to do whatever they needed to provide them, as well as possible, but, in this case, they haven't got it right. The Berrytown St Edmunds Trust has also submitted a formal maladministration claim to the council's monitoring officer, asking for a complete review of the decision. Suffolk County Council said if West Suffolk's records office were to stay at its current location in Raingate Street, it would cost £5 million. Moving the archives, however, is expected to save £140,000 per year. Meanwhile this week... West Suffolk Council approved a motion proposed by Councillor Julia Wakelam calling upon Suffolk County Council to suspend the implementation of the closure and engage with West Suffolk Council as well as other shareholders to find a different solution. She said, These are the physical manifestations of our history and our collective sense of identity. Regardless of how often one visits the records office, to remove them is to erase our heritage and our connection to past communities. These concerns were echoed by Dr Rachel Wood, who spoke about the archive's importance during the meeting's public participation section. She said, When archives are stored away from the community to which they belong, it's a bit like putting things up in your loft, out of sight, out of mind. I fear that what is being suggested is a breaking up of our precious heritage. There was some pushback, however, from Opposition Leader Councillor Nick Clark, who, despite supporting the keeping of the records locally, described the motion as the wrong way to go about it. He he reiterated last week's County Council comments that the decision had been taken as a result of the cancellation of the Western Way project, where the records were proposed to be kept with the help of a £3.4 million investment by the county's leaders. Councillor Clark said shouting at the County Council by way of this motion will achieve nothing. Councillor Becky Hopfinsberger, who is also part of the County Council's Cabinet, revealed that the Cabinet member responsible for the archives, Councillor Philip Fairclough Mutton, had now agreed to meet West Suffolk's leader, Councillor Cliff Waterman, following several public criticisms
1: over lack of engagement. Demonstrators gathered in Bury St Edmunds Town Centre to mark the second anniversary of the start of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The invasion started on February 24th, 2022. More than 70 people, including Ukrainians and the Bury St Edmunds community, gathered on Angel Hill on Saturday to call for an end to the war and reflect on the lives lost since the start of the conflict. Vera Popova, 45, who arrived in Suffolk with her nine-year-old daughter, Eva, and her mum in April 2022, said it was an emotional and painful day. During the event, everybody remembered the first moments of the war, said Vera. We never imagined it would last two years, and now we don't know when it will finish. We're stressed, and our situation is very unpredictable. A lot of Ukrainians were crying because it was very difficult to imagine that the war started two years ago. There was so much pain and so many tears. We feel pain because our stunning towns are burning. Nearly 50% of my hometown, Kharkov, was destroyed, including hospitals, residential areas, schools and nurseries. I can't imagine how many years we'll need to recover from this. When asked where she sees her future, Vera said, We would love to return to our home when it's a safe place again. At first it seemed like we could return quickly but now it's absolutely indefinite. Vera said the support from communities from all over the world, including here in Suffolk, is what has helped Ukrainian people to keep going. We're strong, but we have no choice, she said. The whole world supports us, and it helps us to be stronger, resilient, and have hope for the future. British people are extremely generous, very welcoming and supportive. We feel such a warm atmosphere.
0: A leading councillor has addressed the ongoing flooding at a major Bury St Edmunds route after it was submerged again. Councillor Paul West, Suffolk County Council's Cabinet Member for Operational Highways and Flooding, said pumps on the A143 Compiègne Way were fighting against the height of the River Lark following a record rainfall. The key road shut on Sunday and reopened on Monday but were submerged again on Wednesday on one side. It was the second closure due to flooding this year, with the first lasting nearly four weeks in January, and work was carried out to try to fix a problem. The road has repeatedly flooded in recent years, causing traffic chaos in the town. Councillor West said the county was seeing the heaviest and most persistent rainfall on record, with repeated deluges falling on already saturated ground. River levels are high, meaning the drains cannot move water away quickly, he said. In this particular case, the pumps at Compiègne Way are fighting against the height of the river lark. In periods of severe weather, such as this, the only course of action can be to close roads for the safety of motorists. However, with the recent work carried out at Compiègne Way, the pumps will spring back into action and clear the standing water as soon as the river levels subside. We have been working tirelessly to clear drains and repair roads following recent bad weather and will continue to do so to keep our county moving. The Environment Agency said Suffolk's February rainfall up to Monday was 78 millimetres, which was 179% of the month's average. Meanwhile, Adrian Graves, a Great Barton resident, raised concerns over a lack of signage warning drivers of the flooding in Compion Way. Sooner or later, if they don't take mitigation action, there will be a serious accident, he said. The Berry Free Press revealed last week that more than a half a million pounds was spent trying to fix the flooding in Compagnon Way in one year alone. Suffolk County Council is due to investigate the cause of the January flood. Once the investigation is complete the authority said it would have a better idea on a longer-term plan for managing flooding.
1: A Government minster has planted the first tree at the site of Bury St Edmund's new hospital, which is set to offer patients some of the best views in the country. The first buffer tree at the Hardwick Manor site was planted on Monday by Lord Markham, CBE, Parliamentary Under-Secretary of State at the Department of Health and Social Care. Lord Markham, who is responsible for the new hospital programme, was joined by Bury St Edmunds MP Joe Churchill, South Suffolk MP James Cartledge and Gary Norgate, programme director for the new West Suffolk Hospital project. Mr Norgate said he felt emotional at the planting of the buffer trees, which will be used to reduce the visual sound impact of the new hospital. Confirming that a power connection has been secured for the Hardwick Manor site, he said... As much as it can be, everything is on track. We've had a lot of support from lots of different agencies and the plan is the entire new hospital will be operational in 2030. In the next three years, we will be out of the ground. Mrs Churchill said, this is a hugely emotional moment. This is what Berry needs for its future. The new hospital needs to serve a growing population in a way fit for the 21st century. She said all patients would have their own room at the new build and would look out onto one of the best natural vistas from a hospital in the country. Mr Cartilage said, this is a real brand new hospital from scratch and we are moving forward with the key developmental stuff. He also spoke about the importance of considering the environmental impact of the new hospital, which includes moving fungi from the Hardwick Manor site to his constituency ahead of work starting. Lord Markham said, It was great to visit the site here in Bury St Edmunds and to view the progress on the replacement West Suffolk Hospital, which is part of our commitment to deliver 40 new hospitals by 2030 and is now expected to be backed by over £20 billion of infrastructure investment. As part of the government's long-term plan for our health care system, we have prioritised the construction of a replacement hospital here in West Suffolk to give local residents access to world leading care and deliver the highest standards of safety for patients and staff. Planting the first buffer tree as part of the pre-construction works is an important step in preparing the site for a state-of-the-art new hospital which will benefit patients and staff and the communities of West Suffolk for generations to come. Craig Black Deputy Chief Executive and Director of Resources at West Suffolk NHS Foundation Trust said, We're delighted to host Lord Markham and our local MPs to demonstrate the significant progress the team have made. We welcome their continued support as our new hospital for our patients and staff gets closer.
0: Berry Snedman Schools in a Trust will permanently extend October half term to two weeks in an effort to reduce staff and student absence, it was announced on Thursday. Following a trial last year, Unity Schools Partnership's second consultation into the change saw 58% of parents in favour and 42% of parents opposed, while 89% of staff backed the move. The two-week half-term will now take place from October 28th to November 8th. Tim Corson, Chief Executive of Unity Schools Partnership, said We would like to thank every person who took part in the two consultations and have given us their feedback and comments since we trialled the initial two-week half term in October. While a majority of staff and parents were in favour of the two-week half term, we acknowledge and take seriously all those comments from individuals not in favour. The second round of consultation received 2,929 responses from parents with 58% in favour of a two-week break and 42% against. There were 1,079 staff responses with 89% in favour of the change. Mr Coulson said, although there are various views, the two most significant are the cost of childcare and how learning time is made up. We plan again to organise additional childcare during the second week of this half term break, and individual school head teachers will explain how the learning time will be effectively addressed. Unity Schools Partnership said one of the main reasons behind trialling the extension was to reduce staff and student absence during a time in the school year when the figures were high. The results from the trial found that between the half term break and Christmas, Pupil absence due to illness was less in every trust school in 2023 compared with 2022. An overall reduction of 25%. Staff absence reduced by 50%.
1: A mum has spoken of the heartbreaking story she is hearing from other SEND families since she launched a petition calling for top Suffolk County Council leadership to go. Nicky Graham, 38, is demanding the Chief Executive of Suffolk County Council, Nicola Beach, and Council Leader, Councillor Matthew Hicks, leave their posts in the wake of the damning inspection report into services for children and young people with special educational needs and or disabilities, referred to as SEND, in Suffolk. Berry St Edmunds' parent, Nicky, who has two children with additional needs, said she launched the Change.org petition, which has topped 600 signatures, as she doesn't believe the resignation of three senior councillors at Suffolk County Council goes far enough. I don't need any more sorries. I need to see action, and it comes from the top, said the mum of three. The report by Ofsted and the Care Quality Commission found widespread and or systematic failings leading to significant concerns about the experiences and outcomes of children and young people with SEND in Suffolk. Nicky, whose own experience with Suffolk SEND services have been nothing short of appalling, said since she launched the petition, she had had people coming to her with their own heartbreaking stories. She said she had heard from people who were completely lost and who had been told incorrect facts. For example, their child doesn't qualify for an education, health and care plan. She says she has heard of young people who are out of school and out of employment and say they don't have any prospects. She added, children who have gone through trauma through being in incorrect placements through not getting the support they need, I have heard it all. Andrew Reed, Cabinet Member for Education and Send at Suffolk County Council, said leadership changes had been made, including him being new to post with Deputy Cabinet Member Debbie Richards also nearly appointed. From an officer perspective, two senior leaders responsible for Children and Young People's Services, including SEND, have left, and a new Executive Director of Children and Young People is being recruited, he added.
0: An RAF veteran who died two years ago has been recognised for his service to testing nuclear weapons in the late 1950s. John Meehan joined the armed force in 1955 and was deployed to Christmas Island in March 1959. None of the men were told where they were going or what they would be doing on deployment, stopping in both San Francisco and Hawaii en route. It likely came as a shock when they realised humanity would be testing one of its most powerful weapons of war on the island, the hydrogen bomb. Mr Meehan died in 2022 aged 87 and one year after his death the government introduced a nuclear test medal. Wanting to commemorate their father's efforts his two surviving daughters Debbie Meehan and Louise Holloway applied to receive a medal which arrived last week. Louise said we applied for the medal because we thought dad should be remembered for what he did Dad didn't talk about what happened on Christmas Island in much detail, only the social side of it. He always tried to make the most of his trip away, as it's quite a beautiful place. It's something that until now wasn't recognised, although giving medals for nuclear testing had been discussed by government for years before it was implemented. It's astonishing to think that they would stand there without protection while the incredibly powerful bombs went off. Dad said you could see people's skeletons through their skins. Louise said some of those who were involved in the test developed health issues related to the blast and died young. Mr Mehan was incredibly private about his time with the RAF, she said. It wasn't until later in life that he revealed he once saved a man from a burning plane during his service. After returning to Britain in 1916, Mr. Meehan married his wife, Anne-Marie. He finished his service in 1977 at RAF Honington. Although he was born in Drogheda, Ireland, and his wife in Scotland, the couple made Berries and Edmonds their home until their deaths. They had three children, all daughters, alongside four grandchildren and three great-grandchildren.
1: Parents have shared their disappointment after two nature reserves axed their education sessions. Suffolk Wildlife Trust has cut its engagement activities at Redgrave and Fen and Nettishore Heath. The Trust's CEO, Christine Luxton, said the sessions were not financially sustainable and it has looked into new initiatives to reach more people. Mary Sullivan, whose son attended the reserve's education sessions, said... It's a huge loss to this area. Mrs Sullivan said her youngest son, 13, had attended the reserve's young warden sessions for three years. The sessions have formulated who my son wants to be, she said. She shared that he aspired to be an assistant warden. Christine Luxton said the Wilder Community's advisor will continue to run school visits at the reserves. Mrs Sullivan continued that the educational groups had taught her son about more than just nature, they learned to identify things on the reserve and they've done craft activities as well. He's learned hedge laying, how to put fences up, coppicing and lots of different techniques, she said. In a statement on Facebook, both conservation sites announced the Wild Tots, Weekend Wildlife Club, Forest School, Young Wardens, Young Naturalist, and Send Woodland Play Sessions would be coming to an end. Ed King says that he would struggle to attend one of the Trust's alternative sites that provides education sessions. He said, It's such a great thing for the kids to do each week, and if that's gone, that's a real loss. The Trust has directed members to ongoing sessions at its Lackford Lakes site near Bury St Edmunds, but Mr King said, We won't go to Lackford Lakes. It's too busy for us, and it's that much further. Miss Luxton, speaking on the Trust's decision, said... The numbers of people who were joining in the activities were just so small. We are still absolutely trying to ensure we are working with children and young people, but trying to find a way to do it that is financially sustainable for us. She added that the Trust would continue to run school visits at the sites, but more work would be completed in community settings, such as school environments. We're training teachers, so nature does not just become a day out, it becomes something that the children can enjoy all the time and is accessible to them regardless of whether they have a parent who is going to take them out, Miss Luxton said.
0: A driver has hit out at the state of the roads after he came across several vehicles broken down near potholes in one evening. Piers Fuller says some 15 vehicles were strewn within 100 yards of an extremely large pothole along the A143 at Horringer near Berry St Edmunds, <clears throat> on Monday of last week. Horringer resident Mr Fuller said the pothole, or potholes in question, located on the A143, Poulter's Lane, besides Lady Katharina's Wood, had been repaired just two weeks earlier, but had broken up again. He said on his return from work at about six o'clock, there were a number of vehicles broken down after he believes they struck the potholes, causing tyre and wheel damage. The police and recovery services were in attendance. Mr Fuller, who works at a GP surgery in Haverhill, said, It was absolute chaos, really. They must have hit the pothole and then pulled off into the verge, and then the car just got stuck because the verges are wet. I just felt so sorry for these people. It's like a sticking plaster situation. They, Suffolk Highways, are doing these temporary repairs that lasts like, what, two minutes? A Suffolk police spokesman said they were called at 5.45 to 6, or seven vehicles blocking the road due to two large potholes on the A143 at Horringer, and highways were called to fix them. Mr Fuller, who was a parish councillor in Horringer for about 12 years, said of this latest fiasco on the roads, Once again, road users have been let down by poor highway maintenance. The A143 is already poorly maintained and this latest fading by Suffolk highways is just another reminder of their inability to fix and properly maintain our deteriorating road network. He said the A143 between Bury and Haverhill was in desperate need of resurfacing due to the number of potholes and defects along the length of the road. As well as this, in the winter months there are also many sections that often flood in the same place, and are extremely dangerous for motorists, he added. A spokeswoman for Suffolk Highways said the A143 was due its monthly routine safety inspection this week. Any defects that met its current criteria would be raised for repair. The pothole in question has formed quickly within the last month, most likely due to heavy volumes of traffic, rainfall and colder temperatures, she added.
1: This half-term, children in Bury St had the chance to meet a pair of dinosaurs at St Edmundsbury Cathedral. Teach Rex were at the cathedral on Wednesday with their life-size animatronic dinosaurs entertaining youngsters at two packed-out sessions. The cathedral also hosted free prehistoric-themed activities for families on Tuesday and Thursday, which included arts and crafts sessions. Christine Day, who met the duo of dinosaurs on Wednesday alongside her granddaughter, Rosie, said, The dinosaurs were so big and fast and there were some good games that got the audience involved. It was busy and there was a good photo opportunity with the dinosaurs. Kim Leach, Learning Hub Program Manager at the Cathedral said, Teach Rex put on a great show that's full of excitement with learning points for both children and parents. Dinosaurs are always popular with young children and this is a fantastic opportunity for them to engage with life-size versions.
0: Long-running plans for a new public car park in Berries and Edmonds are still in the pipeline, more than two years after they were submitted. M&D Developments, which bought the site in October 2019, has asked West Suffolk Council for permission to change the use of the St Benedict's Lower School site, formerly St Louis Middle, in St Andrews Street South, to a public car park with 269 spaces and a new access and exit from Parkway. The original plans were submitted in November 2021. They have since undergone several revisions with the latest documents submitted last month. Despite the most recent changes, a number of objections remain. Berry Town Council recommends refusal on the grounds of lack of clarity over lighting, footpaths and security. Suffolk Highways also recommends refusal on the grounds of highway safety. Residents have raised concern over antisocial behaviour, impact on wildlife, security and safety. But a design and access statement said the car park would help to fulfil the need for more car parking in Berwick with a 2018 car parking review estimating 485 spaces would be needed in the town by 2035. This month, St Benedict's group submitted plans for 30 homes on the same site. They would join nine recently built homes on an an adjoining plot. In response to the 30 homes plan, District Councillor Julia Wakeham said, I am delighted housing is proposed for this site, rather than the formerly proposed car parking. However, I strongly object to the applicant's proposal to provide only four affordable homes, instead of the nine our current policy requires.
1: A tractor visit was the talk of the day at a rural primary school. Excited children from Bacton Primary School enjoyed seeing the tractor close up, learning about what it is used for and sitting in the cab. Westthorpe farmer Patrick Barker took his trusty green machine to the school on February 14th as part of Suffolk Agricultural Association's Tractors in Schools programme. Mr Barker said, With a rural school like Bacton, it's great for the children to be able to learn about farming and how the machinery is used, as well as how their food is produced. It was lovely visiting the school and seeing the pupils' faces light up when they got in the cab. Head of school, Sarah King, thanked him for the visit and added, the children had an amazing time and were really inspired.
0: A rare toy replica of the first Automobile World Championship winning car has sold at a Suffolk auction for thousands of pounds. The CIJ of France, Alfa Romeo P2 racing car, Child's Toy was one of the Lots Making Up Toys and Models auction at Lacey Scott Knight, in Berries and on Friday. The toy is a replica of the Alfa Romeo P2 that won the inaugural Automobile World Championship in 1925. The replica sold is 100% original, with no signs of restoration, and complete with hand-operated steering and brake lever. The Tinplate body is finished in purple with the original racing number 2 and 4 leaf clover motifs on the side of the bonnet and Alfa Romeo insignia on the front. It was estimated to be worth between 9 and 10,000 pounds and sold for 9,000 pounds. The Alfa Romeo P2 car was designed by Vittorio Jane for the Grand Prix World Championship 1925. Alfa Romeo won the first world championship after wins by Antonio Ascuri in the European Grand Prix at Spa and at the Italian Grand Prix at Monza.
1: And now for some letters. Diana Boys writes from Grey Barton, I am writing in support of Linda Chalice, letters February the 9th, regarding the self-service tills in Barry St Edmund's Boots. I was on the ground floor with a basket of four items, I made my way to the back of the store and was shocked to find the tills had been replaced by self-service machines. I asked if I could have some help and was told that staff on the perfume counter may be able to do so. They did help but were not pleased and I had to ask for a bag. I am in my 80s and found this experience very unhelpful. I shall not be shopping at Boots again. I have lived in Bury for 40 years and feel the town has deteriorated especially for the elderly and people with disabilities such as poor vision. till service offers one of the few opportunities for personal interactions. I would be interested in a response from Boots.
0: Extended break seems unfair, writes Anthony Graham. I sympathise with working parents who have young children at a school run by Unity Schools Partnership and who now face having to find extra childcare for the extended October half-term break. I don't suppose the parents of secondary age children care one way or the other. Their youngsters can largely look after themselves. And staff were, of course, going to vote for an extra week off. Yes, I know teachers work during the holidays, but marking preparation is not quite the same as child-facing lessons, is it? I think perhaps the consultation should have been confined to the parents of primary age children as they are the people who are most affected. I know from experience how difficult it can be to juggle childcare and work and the costs involved. For several years, my wife and I were only able to share one or two weeks holiday together with our children. The rest of the time, we split our leave to cover school holidays. An extra
1: week would have been a nightmare. Simon Harding from Berry and Edmonds writes, Councillor Everett's political point-scoring epistle while sheltering under the umbrella over the records office scandal was unfortunate. Letters, February ninth. The, the installation of a stairlift, costing approximately £5,000, would solve the issues at Reingate Raingra- Street. Stairlifts are often used in offices. Yes, we would not end up with a state-of-the-art gold-plated facility, which those with bottomless pockets crave for, but surely we must cut our coat according to our cloth. Remember our record office worked very satisfactorily before, with, I believe, no record of damage to the items in their care. Jobs would be saved, the excellent first floor map reading room would be available to all and also demands of the 2010 Equalities Act would be satisfied. Accordingly, I have invited councillors Everett and faircloth Mutton together with the Head Officer for Archives, Judith Berry, to meet me on my mobility scooter at the rear entrance of the Raingate Street Records Office. Seeing is believing. I hope to be able to report to readers the views of our councillors and Suffolk Archives officer.
0: Barry Peters, the editor of the Berry Free Press, writes, It's been a rough few weeks for the west of the county. OK, in the scheme of things and the bigger picture, these issues are irritations more than earth-shattering tragedies. But for the people who pay for the services, who work and save to pay their council tax, there's cause for complaint. For the bulk of January, residents in Berries and Edmonds dealt with gridlock, while Compiègne Way, a key road, was flooded and county council promises of work being done some months ago crashed and burned somewhat spectacularly that remediable work has seemingly failed once again a drop more rain at the weekend and the shutters came down yet again on that vital road near the sugar beet factory fail number one moving on to potholes we've got the story today of damage caused creators on the haverhill road near horringer and another in the centre of Berries Nebans, which is seemingly one hole which will continue to catch out unwary drivers. Fail 2. Then our historic archives. Hundreds campaigned for them to remain local to the towns they celebrate. But the cost of keeping history is easily accessible for all seems too steep for our county friends to meet. Fail 3. So I'll be as delighted as the next person to be asked to stump up an extra £75 to the county council in council tax next year. Just make sure some of that is spent on the west of the county. Barry Peters.
1: David E Barker from Westhorpe says, I enjoyed reading the recent report of the tractor visiting Backton Primary School and well done to the Suffolk Agricultural Association for the initiative. In total, Suffolk farmers made visits to 71 schools in the county and I have no doubt all the children would have been excited. There is a great fascination that children have with tractors. Many years ago, the National Farmers Union hosted a farm open day with tractor and trailer rides around the farm. One farmer brought his lorry, only to find the children refused to tour the farm on it. When I read recently that 1,100 farmers brought their tractors to demonstrate on the streets of Paris, the children of the French capital must have loved every moment.
0: John Dell from Shotley writes, It appears that Sir Lindsay Hoyle's belief that parliamentarians could come together to debate and develop a joint approach to a foreign policy issue which impacts on few of us directly was misplaced. Instead, we were treated to disgraceful scenes in Parliament not dissimilar to the tantrums of children misbehaving in supermarket sweet aisles. Given that Westminster sees itself as the mother of parliaments, perhaps MPs are her children with behaviour issues. Winston Churchill can always be relied upon for an appropriate quotation, and one springs to mind. Democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others.
1: Now, Chatterbox, a weekly sideways look at what's got you take into the keyboard on social media this week. News of more flooding in Compiègne Way has angered readers after more than £500,000 were spent trying to fix the problem in one year alone. The road was waterlogged again on Wednesday morning after heavy rain. Asked why the road had flooded this week after repairs were made, Suffolk Highway said the river levels were found to be too high for the pumps. Graham Pillmore said, Half a million? Well spent then. Will Curtin agreed and said, Surely in the £500,000 they could have found a long-term solution. Some commenters were putting forward their own solutions to fix the flood-prone road. Kelly Hall Allen said, Why can't they raise it like a speed bump so the water flows off instead of being flat which causes puddles? Just a random thought. Finally, Phil Robson added, At this rate, they'd be better off installing a ferry service. Tim
0: Roberts, who is the Eastern Regional Secretary of Unison, writes, Adult social care is in a desperate state. It's failing to provide the quality of support millions depend upon to to lead fulfilling lives. Thousands of people in care homes and those living independently aren't being given the help to which they're entitled. Levels of care vary widely from town to town and even from street to street. That's because the government has broken its promise to invest in social care and doesn't value the workers who deliver it. Care staff are highly skilled and dedicated but woefully undervalued. Right now, with 152,000 vacancies across England, care workers cannot do their jobs properly, leaving countless families struggling. The best solution is a national care service that drives up standards and pays staff decent wages. It would assist families trying to navigate the current system. Anyone who has attempted to secure care knows doing so is confusing, complicated and stressful. A national care service would also relieve the overwhelming pressures on hospitals across the area by freeing up beds. Making this change for the better requires political will. That's why Unison is calling on all candidates at the next general election to pledge their support now for a national care service. The more backing there is for this much-needed reform, the greater the chance of transforming the lives of people in the region by giving them the care they deserve.
1: Brian Davis from Berries and Edmunds writes... While shopping at Bury St Evans Tesco last Friday, I chanced upon the most colourful invalid buggy I had ever seen. In front, there was the most magnificent display of flowers imaginable, interlaced with colourful twinkling lights and an equally colourful lit display behind the lady driver. At a large store, you often stumble across a person more than once, which you hardly even notice. But on the fourth occasion, I bumped into this lovely lady, I felt obliged to say... We have to stop meeting like this or tongues will start wagging. Unfortunately, I forgot to ask her name, but she assured me she takes the paper, so I hope she reads this letter of acknowledgement, thanks and appreciation of our colourful encounter.
0: Graham Day from Stowmarket writes, Thank you for last week's article, Stowmarket Gun Cotton Explosion in 1871. Although I had heard about it some years ago, it was not until recent years that I discovered that a talk about it was to be given at the Suffolk Industrial Archaeological Society in Ipswich. It was as memorable as it was the first lecture meeting of the science society I had ever attended. The presentation was excellent and brought out the details of what was a very tragic accident indeed. Some while later, in a spare moment, I ventured into the old cemetery in Berry Road for the first time. There, at the top of the cemetery, was the mass grave, complete with memorable plaque for the poor victims. The consequences of the explosion, also on other people's life, the town were, all, were either injured, suffered hearing loss, or who were traumatised, would have been felt for years. It is fitting that the new estate road was named Gun Cotton Way, as it is on high ground which overlooks the site of the Prentice Works. Such accidents, hopefully, would not now happen in an era of health and safety, but it is fitting to also remember the incidents in this way. <clears throat> as always, we should never be careless of our history, as
1: it can teach us a lot. And now for some general news. We start with a monthly catch-up from Bury St Edmunds Rickshaw, written by Sam Reed, co-founder of Bury St Edmunds Rickshaw. We are very blessed at Beres Nevins Rickshaw that since starting our ride six years ago in May we have had millions of drivers waiting behind our bikes until it is safe to go round us. We are very visible not only because of the rickshaw's size but the high vis jackets that our volunteers wear. This can work in our favour but also if we are not professionally riding following the highway code. Or if we try to do something that is not suitable both for the traffic on the road or pedestrians, we share cycle pathways with. Our riders are given in-depth training and annual checks to maintain their knowledge and our support in the riding they volunteer to do. Along with training on our rickshaws, as we offer rides to many different people, there are opportunities to learn basic first aid and dementia awareness, as well as social get-togethers to learn from each other's experiences. It is always upsetting if a rider who cycles on their own bike to collect a rickshaw is not always given the same respect. Being a town cyclist myself, there are many pleasurable experiences I get travelling on my bicycle, including waves from the Lollipop Man outside St Ebens Primary School, and these in which I can park my bike in town. Sadly though, there are occasions when our riders experience a lack of thought from drivers who think they have a greater claim to being on the roads. That saying, fail to prepare, results in preparing to fail, comes to mind if both cyclists and drivers are not aware of the hazards that are ahead of them. We are very keen to make sure that all cyclists who give up their time to volunteer for us have this extra cycling awareness training to enhance their experience, both as a volunteer and getting to and from our garages to collect a rickshaw. This training has been provided for both adults and children for over a year now and we plan to continue to offer free training funded by Cycling UK. Do you want to feel safer on your rides or just build on your knowledge of the road safety? Whatever you choose, please be patient with cyclists and rickshaw riders so that we can all enjoy getting out and about as the springtime approaches.
0: A highly regarded book by a professional Suffolk hedge layer and coppicer is set to be launched next year, after the US and UK rights were acquired by a publisher. Richard Negus of Finningham, near Stowmarket, works in partnership with Richard Gould, traditional hedgerow-laying business, R&R Countryside Services. His observational work, Words from the Hedge, a hedge layer's view of the countryside, was acquired by Unbound, which plans to publish it in March 2025. Unbound described the book as the definitive insider's guide to one of the most essential yet often overlooked elements of the British countryside, the hedgerow. It is a passionate evocation of the history, beauty and importance of our hedgerows by a craftsman with over 20 years experience, it said. As well as his day job, laying hedges, Richard is part of a trio of conservationists coordinating the High Suffolk Farm Cluster, a Nestle-backed conservation project which involves 12 farms across Mid-Suffolk working together on a landscape scale to help nature. He has written features for various magazines, included Suffolk Count magazine, but said this was his first foray into writing a book. This is hugely exciting for me personally and the opportunity to work with a publisher as influential as influential as Unbound, is a huge boon not only for my writing, but more importantly for the many conservation-minded Suffolk farmers who have for far too long gone unheralded in a wider audience, he said. He wrote it because he felt our much-loved yet misunderstood hedgerows needed a practical champion. The English hedgerow is the epitome of man-made nature. You cannot rewild a hedge, he explained. These barriers of thorn, scrub and briar were planted, then laid, trimmed, cut or coppiced by man for agricultural purposes, but they also provide a remarkable source of food, habitat and safety for wildlife. The book is written from my own first-hand experience as a professional hedge-layer. It has mud under its nails and thorns wedged painfully in its palms. The premise is that farmland hedgerows which are man-made are too often taken for granted. The book explains how they are much more than decoration or boundary markers and are the countryside's archeries sustaining a diversity of plant and animal species. Richard describes the wildlife robins, linnets, wrens, turtle doves, hedgehogs, shrews, voles, deer, foxes, beetles, aphids, mites, and the part they play in the inner life of the hedge. He also offers an insight into a lively band of fellow countrymen and women involved in modern farming and land ownership, as well as making a case for retraining ancient and rural skills and knowledge.
1: Karen Cannard is our recycling champion, and she writes, Have you seen the exciting news? What news, you might ask? Now, where do I even start? It's been a bit of a very interesting month in the world of recycling. For those of a certain generation who remember the days of doorstep pop deliveries and receiving change for returning the previous week's glass bottles, you might share my excitement about a modern reincarnation that's hit West Suffolk this month. It's in the form of an appliance called Trover, technically known as a reverse vending machine. It's similar in size to a drinks vending machine, But the key difference is rather than selling you products it is a system for you to return your empty beverage cans and plastic bottles in exchange for points using the trover app users convert these points into credits to spend in local businesses the trover reverse vending systems have been introduced by west suffolk council as part of a trial in conjunction with love newmarket the guineas shopping center Abbeycroft Leisure, Our Bury St Edmunds and the Eastern Education Group. The first machines have been rolled out at three key locations. Guinness Shopping Centre, Newmarket Leisure Centre and West Suffolk College with another installation in Bury St Edmunds to be announced once the fourth location has been identified. If successful, it is possible that more will be trialled across West Suffolk. I love that West Suffolk is the first council in England to pilot reverse vending. This is ahead of the government's National Deposit Return Scheme, which will be introduced next year across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Scotland was supposed to go live with its own scheme last year, but has been delayed to align with plans for the rest of the UK. So, a big happy dance for Bury St Evans and Newmarket as national pioneers.
0: After nearly three years at Suffolk Rural College in Otley, near Ipswich, An organisation that offers a pool and swimming classes for dogs is gearing up to move to a new home. Canine Dip and Dive will take up residence at Pakenham Windmill near Bury St Edmonds when it reopens its pool to the public in April. Andrew Brownlee, the senior splash maker at Canine Dip and Dive who runs the firm with his wife Jo, said they were very excited to work at such a beautiful landmark. He said... We're now entering our eighth year in business. We've had access to fantastic facilities in Otley for the past few years, but the college needed the space for a future project. They offered us another site, but there was no power. Thankfully, our customers have been fantastic with suggestions on where we could move to. Pagan and Windmill got in touch, and it was a marriage made in heaven. We're excited. Every year has been our best year and at a time where people have less money, we wanted to spread some joy. Canine Dip and Dive specialises in classes for dogs that, that are afraid of water, but also offer other activities such as pool parties, exercise sessions for elderly dogs and puppies, as well as diving sessions. Andrew, who had a landscaping firm before starting Canine Dip and Dive, was involved in TV work on the side, He said the business got its start after he found himself working on Superstar Dogs, hosted by John Barrowman. This led to him hosting dog diving sessions at events, from Land's End to John O'Groats. After a while, he started Canine Dip and Dive based in Suffolk, which was supposed to only operate on weekends. It became so popular, the couple opened six days a week and Andrew closed his landscaping company. Andrew said, we run classes from April to October, as it can get too cold for smaller dogs during the winter. All of what we offer is enjoyed by both owners and dogs. I love my job, although it doesn't feel like one. I don't come into work every day. I come to play with dogs.
1: A 90-year-old woman who has been working the same job for almost seven decades said it gives her a sense of achievement. Joan Nary started working at Nary's Garden Centre in Stowmarket, Suffolk after she married her husband in 1955. Her role has mainly been looking after the company accounts as well as working on the tills. Mrs Nary said she enjoys working alongside her family every day and that all of my dreams have come true. The family-run garden centre on Spikes Lane near Hill was founded in 1955 by Mrs Nary's father-in-law. I do the accounts... I do not do as many as I did before, she said. Joan Nery started working at the garden centre when she was 21. She added, I do quite a bit. I do the tills and every night I have to try and balance the books. Before she got married, Mrs Nery took a typing shorthand and bookkeeping course at a school in Ipswich. When I was younger, I used to pretend I was working in an office, she said. Back then she travelled to Ipswich by bus and it was on one of these journeys that she met her husband-to-be was attending the same school to take an agricultural course but she admitted she did not know a lot about gardening before she got married. Mrs Nary said she did not think she would still be working at the age of 90 but going to work every day has given her a sense of achievement. I have a nice life she added.
0: Families from Stowmarket Market and Needham Market learnt about the important role of on-call firefighters at an open day and received a glimpse of a new station. Stone Market Fire Station opened its doors with running ladder and rescue demonstrations for potential new recruits. Martin Hazlewood, Suffolk Fire and Rescue Services Recruitment and Retention Manager, said, We always love showing people what it is like to be a modern firefighter and demonstrating what we can do. Mr Hazlewood, who worked as an on-call firefighter for 37 years in Newmarket, said although the open day was about recruitment, they welcomed children along to the Joint Fire and Police Station in Needham Road. The emergency service hub in Stowmarket opened in March 2023. He said, It is crucial young young people get an understanding of the blue light emergency services. The fire service is recruiting on-call firefighters across the county but the open day was for those living in the Stone Market and Needham Market area. Crews from both stations chatted to members of the public, giving them an insight into how being on call works, alongside family and work life. Mr Hazelwood said recruitment events allowed the service to bust myths about being on an on-call firefighter. He said, We are starting to see more female interested in the service, and there are female firefighters at both Stone Market and Needham. You can become an on-call firefighter from the age of 18. It is a paid role which can be done alongside full or part-time employment. When their buzzer sound, on-call firefighters have a set time period to get to their assigned station, which is why it is crucial they live locally.
1: One of Suffolk's most prominent chefs has been interviewed by a prestigious national food guide, helping to cement the county's reputation as one of the best in the UK. James Kahn, head chef at Lark in Bury St Edmonds, was named the Good Food Guide's chef to watch at a lavish ceremony held in London at the end of January. The restaurant was shortlisted for two impressive accolades, including Best New Restaurant of the Year. The guide has now released an interview with Mr Kahn in which he discusses the gravity of his recent award win. It was surreal to be shortlisted for two awards by a guide that we as a team hold in such high regard. To be awarded Chef to Watch was a huge honour, being up against chefs that I look up to. The chef also shouted about the breadth of Suffolk produce and suppliers. We have some amazing produce in Suffolk, as well as a lovely coastline. Berry St Evans is a quaint market town, and we are lucky to be based here. Mr Khan mentioned several Suffolk businesses in his interview, including Michelin-starred pea porridge and head chef Justin Sharp, Buckley Orford Oysterage, and Lavenham Butchers.
0: A borough has been spotted living wild in the Suffolk countryside. The bird, which is a member of the Kingfisher family, is native to Australia and is an unusual sight in the UK. It has been spotted near Sudbury. A spokesman for Suffolk Wildlife trust, trust said it was first spotted about nine years ago and seems to have made itself quite at home in Suffolk. Jack Cripps added, it would be an escapee. However, it's not known from where the bird escaped. Cookerborough can live more than 20 years, so it could be around for many years to come.
1: We are coming to the end of this edition of St Evansby News Talk. If you have any comments about the memory stick or difficulty playing it, please use the phone number on the pink sheet which you have been given. Alternatively, you can put a note in the pouch when you return the memory stick to us. We would like to acknowledge our appreciation to the Very Free Press, East Anglian Daily Times, Haverhill Echo and Newmarket Journal from whose pages most of our items have been taken. News Talk will be back again next week, so until then, from Ruth, Liz, Nick and Jill, it's goodbye.
0: Goodbye. You have been listening Podcast brought to you by the St Edmundsbury News Talk Association. You can view more information about News Talk on our website at www.stedmundsburynewstalk.org.uk. The music in this podcast was provided under Creative Commons license by Scott Holmes. This podcast was created entirely by volunteers in our very St Edmunds studio.